0: welcome to the Financial Purpose Podcast. All opinions expressed by me or guests of the podcast are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Life Moves Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any financial or investment decisions. Clients of Life Moves Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Dale Schaefer, and here's another great episode starting now. Let's go. Welcome to episode thirty-one of the Financial Purpose Podcast. Uh, today, I am joined by a very special guest, and should be a fun conversation. Uh, my good friend, Kendi Brown. Hello, Kendi. How are you today?
1: Hey, Dale. I am good. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to talk about operations and um, really just have a fun conversation. So, again, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, good. I now I thought we were talking today about not operations, like something else. I double check my notes. Nope. Okay, operations. It is perfect. <laughs> I was
1: like, "Well, I hope so." Or we're going to just be talking about dogs and jeeps because that's really the only other authority I have. You, here, you have so. to go
0: with what you know, right?
1: <laughs> absolutely.
0: So, Kindy, um, I've asked you on the podcast today to uh, to abs- absolutely talk about operations because I think it's one of the things that especially as business owners, um, you and I have the benefit of having a lot of these conversations um, offline, but as business owners, there's a lot of things that we tend to just, we, we get in the business, we start the day, we operate the business, and then we don't often look at our P&Ls or we don't often know what it costs us to truly run the business or what our margins are, things like that. And so I think that there's going to be some helpful little tidbits for business owners through this conversation, but let me just give you a brief introduction and then I'll ask you to fill in the blanks. So, Kendi Brown is joining us. Um, Kendi has a lot of experience in the startup space and uh, helping grow businesses from, uh, we are an incubator to we are uh, seed round funding, ABC and on and on and on, going public, and then uh, going back and doing another startup beyond that. And then uh, recently, launching your own firm to help business owners do exactly what you've experienced over the past few years. And uh, your firm is called Kawadi Consulting. And so yeah. um, as you fill in the blanks, let's start with the name, because even though I had to think I was like, Kawadi, how do I spell that? What does that even mean? Right. So tell me about the name. Tell me about the business. What do you do? Who Who is it that you're working with? What did I miss Other than that you have have a great husband, two two really cool dogs, a spunky little cat, and a couple of fish. And you like to camp.
1: Um, Yes, absolutely. And luckily, we have some really great friends who come with us on those fun adventures. Um, But yeah, I mean, kind of getting back to it, um, it really just goes back to my background. I'm an Arizona native. I love this state. I love just the nature of it, the topography. And not only that, but the community that we're, we're able to live in and especially to see the growth over the last, I would say, 15 years, especially in the tech sector, um, which is where I, luckily enough, got to fall into and that jump started my career. And now we're here talking about, oh, I have my own firm and what are we doing? Um, so and that's why Kwadi was such a unique name and something that resonated with me is because it is. A, like a true gem of an Arizona mammal. It's a cross between a lemur and a raccoon. So yeah. if you, for listeners, if you haven't seen one or know what it is, definitely Google it, C-O-A-T-I, because um, I know the spelling is a little weird as well. Um, but they're the, the cutest little creatures, and they're, they can be on their own. They can be in packs. They're incredibly nimble um, they're adventurous, curious little creatures, um, and I have just fallen in love with them over the years. Um, I've yet to see one in Arizona, but Dale, I know you and Melissa were able to see I a wasn't few. Gonna,
0: I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't.
1: Oh, that's just a cool experience. Um, yeah. So I really wanted a part of the business to relate to my Arizona roots and also be something cool, interesting uh, conversation starter. So that is where Kawadi has come from. Um and like you said, I'm helping other business owners, you know, take that operational chaos that is the laundry list of things that business owners, you know, are like, I wish I had 24 hour hours in my day to get to all of these things. Um and so I'm the ops heavyweight that they bring on board to help make sure the team is doing well, that they're energized and motivated to hit, you know, the goals and understand the mission of, of the company. Um, but and then also beneath that make sure that we have the right processes, um, documentation, um, leverage automation in a lot of different ways. Um, And and really, that all comes down to making sure that the company has a very healthy P&L, really because you're avoiding turnover, you're making sure that you're being thoughtful about your resources, and you're eliminating costs from, from your operating structure. Because, of course, if you don't have a healthy p and uh, you're not in a good spot. So right. um, that's really where I thrive and what I, I love to do.
0: Yeah. And so what types of businesses, Kendi, have you kind of found your groove with? Because I, I know that you were involved heavily in tech startup uh, before you launched Coati. Yeah. So where where is Coati taking you? Who, who is it that you're, you're working with most predominantly?
1: Yeah, um, I think the companies that have the best formulas are the ones that, you know, over a segment of time have had accelerated growth where you've had to put your foot on the pedal to achieve really amazing milestones. But behind the scenes is the, I think the ship is going to break and something is going to go wrong if we don't focus on that. But we still have to be really aggressive in our goals and milestones and getting the business to the next level. Or you're thinking about, do we sell the business or is it time to retire? And I need to make sure that all of my ducks are in a row to make that happen. And so um, companies that work best with me are the ones that um, are thinking about how do you be as efficient as possible? Are your people happy? Um, All of those different angles. Um, And so usually the growth that we're seeing is between, I would say, like 15 million in revenue up to I would say like 30, 50 million, depending on how the business is structured. Employee counts um, between five to 30 people uh, is usually kind of the area where you see, you know, this operational chaos that needs to be sorted before you're able to hire a full-time operations team um, in that general area. Um, And specifically companies that um, have our service-based are really great thresholds that um, match my personality really well.
0: Sure, and so when we're—I mean, when we're talking 15 million in revenue, uh, or above five to thirty—I mean, that kind of valuation, that sort of staff—I mean, that tends to lend itself, in my mind, to being more high tech as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, it's hard to punch out a bunch of widgets <laughs> for that valuation, right? So.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and with my my tech background, you know, I, I worked at Open Door for the majority of my career and you know, we were in this really antiquated business model, right, of real estate, of this is how it's been done, this is the way things are doing it, and so to be a part of that type of model where you're actually breaking barriers, and um, I was definitely on, on the real estate, um like, the National Association of Realtors, like, hit list of, I've had a lot of conversations with them of, yep, yeah, yeah, this is, we're doing it this way now, Um and so, especially for models that are, you're trying to do something different, trying to do something creative um, that really is a fun business to work on. Um, and so that fits well with my own background.
0: Sure. Sure. So you talked about um, operation, operational chaos as uh, the term that you mm-hmm. used a couple of minutes ago. And I know yeah. offline, we, we were talking a fair bit about um, some of the operational tension and Uh, I told you a story for the benefit of the listeners. Uh, The company that I worked for uh, prior to becoming an advisor and eventually tried to to buy and went through all that mess and and it didn't work out, obviously, because now I'm here. If that had worked out, I wouldn't be here. Kendi, I don't even know if we would know each other. I'm not even sure I'd be in Arizona. Right. Who knows? That
1: would just be a tragedy. Wouldn't it?
0: Wouldn't it? So, um but in that business, we we had an ops leader, uh, or I should say a, a VP of the company, and he was more on the sales side. He would look at ops as really just a problem, and specifically on the production side of the work that, that the company did. And he would say the problem with running a PL and l for any company is that you can't out earn production. You can't drive in more revenue than what they will spend or what they cost or the mistakes they make and whatever. So... I, you know, from my perspective, that tends to be kind of common, more in like the trades uh, types businesses. There are definitely some somewhere that's going to be the case for, uh, you know, revenue versus R&D and things like that. So in that operational chaos in that we can't out earn, you know, we can't bring in enough revenue to pay for these people, you know, doing these other things. Tell me kind of how you split that, uh, you know, the the tension between, I call it the two sides of the balance sheet, right? The the revenue side and the, and the cost side. And so where, where do you, where do you go with that?
1: Yeah, totally. Operations is always usually a cost center of, you know, this is what it takes to get business done. And there's always the, do we have to like payroll especially is usually Mm a huge part of that business. And you're probably just looking at the bank banking statements be like, Oh yeah, I just wrote another, you know, $500,000 check to cover payroll this month. Like, Oh, like what could I do with that money if I got it back? But at the same time, operations is that engine that you have to have in order to do, like make that flywheel run within your business. And so when we think about operations as a cost center model, there are going to be minimum spend amounts. But if you're in this chaos perspective, you're probably bleeding money at mm-hmm. the same time, reaching that upper level that's actually like, you're, you're not being a good steward of that cost center and you need to start thinking creat- creatively or, of how do you bring that line back into a healthy margin. So then, you know, that, you know, if marketing spends you know X percent more and brings in more revenue, you're not going to continue to hemorrhage at that rate. Operations, especially in, in these types of cost centers, should always be looking at what is the cost per output. So if you're, selling five widgets every month, keeping math pretty simple, and it costs you $100 to produce those widgets. Um, what is that ratio? And if you scale it up, like can you reduce that ratio by getting better terms with your vendors? Mm-hmm. Can you think about better software systems to enable your people? Maybe there's people on your payroll that aren't the right fit and you need to think about what is your team dynamics look like? So there's a bunch of different variables, but the main thing is, is, Do you know what your cost center numbers are? I think, Dale, we have conversations about all that, you know, all the time of what is your financial health? Do you know what your balance sheet is? And um, I think I would be curious to hear from you of like some of those questions that you hear business owners asking around their financial health and, and when it comes to operations where they feel like they just have to write those checks just to keep the business going but is that true? Is that not? Yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of things that business owners care about um, as they're trying to figure out health of their PL.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Kendi, because in the whole reason that I started monitoring financial health in the first place, and even, you know, I, I use Elements, um, which I think uh, all of my clients certainly know, and some people who follow me on social media know Elements is kind of my, that's my uh, my tool for monitoring financial health. But what that tool does is it it monitors financial health ratios, and what I found before I was using elements is that most of my clients had never seen their financial ratios you know they mm. they might go to school to learn uh how to do their craft professionally and to get licensure, but they don't often learn how to actually run the business for the profession that they're in, and so you know, if you're a, a private practice doctor or a chiropractor or a startup, you know, tech company or mm-hmm. something like that, you know what you know really well and you know how to monetize it and you know that you need to get people in so you can continue to monetize it. But beyond that, you know, money comes in and money goes out, but but you've never seen it as a ratio. And um, so I started putting that in my financial plans a couple of years ago, and now I do it through elements. And it purely is that people, they don't understand the basic things when they, they look at their P&L. They're just going, what's my bottom line? Mm-hmm. But they don't understand how it interplays between that and the balance sheet and the income statement, right? Those are all, you know, I use the term spaghetti a lot, right? They're all spaghetti. <laughs> they all flow into each other. And there there are a lot of business owners that I talk to who don't, they, they don't know how the numbers get to where they get. They just know that they end up with a product. Yeah. And I mean, that's step
1: number one, right? And, and I think it's scary too, right? When you feel like you're spending a lot, but you don't actually break it down. It's overwhelming when you start to pull back that curtain and see blocks because you may find you're spending you know an extra twenty five percent on a tool that your team doesn't even use
2: yeah,
1: like oh, that's like a knife to the heart in a in a little bit of a way, but it does give you like, oh, let's just go knock that out or you might might find some meteor problems that you'll have to go solve but you got to use that P&L as the, the guiding light and break down by your categories. And if you don't have that, then step one, organize your your accounting, your books to be able to get into visibility, to know yeah. where your ratios are currently, and then start talking to your team, figuring out what are the right problems to be solving. Uh, that's really step one. And step two is, do you as the business owner actually know what's what's happening in your operations? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, maybe. Um, and unfortunately, I know a lot of business owners are already working in the business. So it feels like you know, but you kind of have to step out and work. I know you say this all the time, work on your business, yeah. and really be able to focus on, okay, what do we need to do from levers to get yourself to the next next stage? And that's where someone like me comes into play of we can help ask those questions. like, what do you actually know? What do you not know? To talk to your team let's go follow your processes and map out every step and see what what's actually happening and how does that align to your PL and what you thought what was going to happen sometimes it just takes another pair of eyes on on the operations to to help supercharge that feeling of yes i actually know what's happening
0: yes. yeah so a question about that for you because yeah. I, I think for business owners, you know, we're all going to look at this and say okay, I know that my operations, you know, I probably have a process that isn't well developed or is inefficient or I'm probably spending too much on on cost of goods sold and I need to dial this particular thing back or that particular thing back or I need to put more money into the tax savings whatever it is, right? All of those little things sure. that we have to do. Um I think the challenge and the reason why I talk about working on the business is that a lot of times we start businesses because we either have a better idea or we want to do something totally differently or somebody's not paying us what we know we're worth or we're a really sucky employee and we just know that we're not we're, somebody's going to fire us because we're just we're, we're we don't fit the mold that somebody else is trying to put us in right so we start the business we do the things we start earning money we start serving clients and then we are working in the business because we have to wear a lot of hats, especially in the first couple of years, in, in the scale period, right? In scale, mm-hmm. we wear many hats. And so when we're wearing many hats, we're, we're in the business. We basically have just given ourselves a job, right? And okay. so when someone like you comes in from the consulting standpoint, I imagine for you to be effective in what you do, you would have to help the owner get out of the in and see the business as an investment that they're making right so where does the money need to go how does it need to be used what's the best way to to manage resources to produce the better outcome over time so you're shaking your head yes so i'm gonna assume yep, i'm yep. on to something so kendy how does that work how do you how do you get the owner out out of working in the business and think about working on it yeah
1: that's let me just say it, like that is so hard to do, and for the business owners that are able to do that, like huge kudos to you being able to do that. It, I mean, it is really tough because a lot of business owners have industry expertise that is really hard to replicate or really hard to, you know, pull it out of your brain and put it on paper
2: yeah.
1: or your team to use and to take to the next level. Um, I think there's a lot of tough questions that. Like we have to answer, we mean me and the executive or the business owner of, do you actually have to do this? Or are you just doing it because you don't trust anyone else to do it? Is it because you don't have the time to train somebody else? Is it because your team's not at the level that you feel like needs to be for the client to have the right service? Or is it truly because you are the expert mm-hmm. and you are the right touch point? And then based on whatever answers to those are, is then we start kind of getting into some rabbit holes of understanding where are those like fra- fraction points within the business. And so usually when you're wearing a bunch of hats, it's hard to take off the hats and delegate it and feel yeah. like you can trust somebody else to do it at the level that you would. And so that is really where I excel because that comes into a few different things. Of one, are you one, training your people in the right way. Gosh, I've lived it. I've done it. Trying to be a manager and training somebody and doing your tasks, it's so hard. It is really hard and it requires a lot of energy. And so to have an outside source come in and say, hey, let me just document this. I will train this person. Here's all the recorded videos. Here's all of what they need to be to be successful. They have their checkpoints. All right, here's exactly what I need from you. Uh, really helps create that like oh, sense of relief. Like, yep, they've got it. I know I'm still doing my thing, but I'm able to move this small piece off to someone else. Yeah. And now you can use that 10% of your time back to go work on your business. By all means, does this happen overnight? No, 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 no. It's a slow, gradual transition, but it requires a lot of back end building and creating and setting up those routines and building those operational muscles for yourself and for your team members um to be able to get there. So it's not easy. It's a process. It takes time, but that's the like the way business owners are able to start moving back. It's enabling trust mm-hmm. uh, which Dale, I know you've worked you know, in the like foundation esque company and we we've talked about management styles and being able to trust people, um, but as you're probably thinking about how to you know scale your own business, of what are some of those things that you would have to have in place in order to trust someone to take you know a financial advisor meeting with one of your clients? Like, what does that look like for you? And what have you seen work in the past?
0: Yeah, here's kind of how I think that works, um, and this is going to be true of any business. And that's a great question. Um, To your point that you just made, I think the problem that a lot of business owners will run into is that if I'm wearing the hats, I need to take off the hat so I can delegate it. The time that it takes me to take off the hat and then show them how to do the thing and then double check it to make sure they're doing it right. Well, I could have already had it done and moved on Mm -hmm. with my life. So I'm just going to keep the hat. The problem with keeping the hat is it violates the law of the lid. And the law of the lid is that when you put a limit on your capacity, then you have no way to increase the capacity. And as a business owner, the only way to increase your own capacity, which really enables your business to grow, is for you to take off as many hats as possible and get those get other people who who, you know, who has the right size head to wear that hat, right. And has the skill and knows how to wear the hat and looks pretty good when they wear it, whatever, you know, however you want to take the analogy, you need to find somebody who can wear the hat. So that way you can, you have all this room to, to keep growing the business that way in this business. Um, in particular in the financial services and in, in the advisory business, uh, tale as old as time is that, uh, you know advisors like myself start a practice they build the client business they bring on an associate advisor over time and then they have a hard time letting go and part of it's because they're going to have clients who will who who will say and i've had clients of mine say this to me already and they've said just remember we hired you not whoever Ooh. you bring in next right we hired you so there's yeah. that right so they've got the i'm attached to the founder kind of thing um or on the other side of it, the advisor would say, these are my clients, I built it, I brought these people in, I worked hard, I'm not just going to give you my business. So you need to earn it or you need to buy it. Mm-hmm. And so that that mindset, while I fundamentally understand it, because that's what I'm doing, I'm building a business and it's not, this is not an easy business, much like yours, they're not easy businesses to scale and scale quickly. And usually if you're scaling quickly, then you're probably doing something that isn't going to be long-term, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. So y- y- you build these things and then you-, you have to bring somebody on and there is a trust that has to be built. But I think that if you say, again, I, I just, I- I'm a firm believer now, check me in-, in 10 years to make sure that I still... <laughs> believe this way yep. or that I'm operating the way that I say I believe but I'm a firm believer that when the time comes that I'm able to bring somebody into the business um, and that time will come I will reach capacity I will need to shed hats right somebody else will come in and help me do the things that I do it's the only way that the firm can take its next step and frankly it's the only way that that person can take their next step in their career because if they're helping to build the business then they should have, in my opinion, an equal share in participating in what it takes to build the business, which means sometimes we profit and sometimes things just aren't that fun. Right. And so you share, you share both sides of the results of that. Um, and, and I think that there's, there's definitely an essence of partnership in that. There's also a dynamic where it's, you know, there, there's a senior leader and an employee and those kinds of things. And, and, um, and I think what becomes important there, Kendy, is that you have to. Um, we we just recently had this conversation. The people who are working in the business, they have to be connected to the vision, the mission, the values of what that company is doing, or they're going to leave for the next you know one dollar raise or the next ten thousand dollar salary increase or you know whatever. And if they don't, if they're not buying into what they're doing, if they don't know how what they're doing makes a difference then they're going to see it as it doesn't make a difference. And then that's when you end up with employees who managers go, well, you're, you're not a good employee, get off the bus. And really it's just a disconnection. And so that's not always the case. Sometimes there are people who just get on the bus. that should have never been on the bus anyway, that happens. But for the most part, people leave their leaders, not their job.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I think there are so many examples of this across the workplace. Um, where what you said was interesting of you're allowing somebody to take the next step in their career by wearing a hat and i think as business owners we're always thinking about how do we build a legacy what do we leave behind how are we helping you know not only ourselves but the people next to us our communities i know you and i are both on rotary and we're yeah. very much focused on you know, taking care of our community. And I think that's one of the most powerful things we can do as business owners is reach out our hand and, you know, level up the next person, assuming you all the criteria is met that it's the right fit. Like you said, bought into the mission and the value, like pay is in the right range for their expertise and for them learning and really being able to distribute not just business wealth, but business expertise. Um, because again, that will be, you know, return to you in tenfold. And I've seen it in my own career multiple different times of, you know what, I'm entrusting you person with this project because I know you don't know how to do it yet, but I believe you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to take X amount of my time to get there. But oh my gosh, that reward is so sweet when that person takes that, crushes it, and then they're better prepared to help you in the next project in the next phase of life. And before you know it, you're no longer wearing these three hats because you built this person to take care of it. And it's that flywheel of, I trust you. I believe in you. I'm going to help you. And then they're going to help you at the end of the day. So there is a, an interesting, like people are I think what is interesting about the statement that you say around, you know, people leave managers, leaders, you know, their teams, um, versus like companies is when that starts to, there's a, a sweet range. There is a toxicity at that at some point where it's like, well, yeah, we're a family, but you know, I'm not going to be able to pay you at x and you're going to get really sh- terrible benefits. And, but you believe in the mission, right? Like yeah. let's just assume like we're setting that scenario off of like, no, you're going to take care of your people. You're going to pay them in the right way for their expertise and, then, yes, let's make sure that they are engaged in the mission and and what you want to do um because you know no one wants to feel like they're taking advantage of and just yeah. you know sold the dream um but if you if you do it right, then people will stay for five, ten years in your business because they care about you, they know you care about them, there's mutual respect, and they really want to be successful in your vision not everyone can have a vision and set dreams and I think that's what makes entrepreneurs so special is they're the dreamers and there are people who are followers and they want to be a part of that and and help you get there Mm -hmm. you just have to create that be like enable them to do that Um, so I know we kind of went around in a couple different circles there but (laughs) um, you're absolutely right like
0: and I have to people
1: will leave you not not your business
0: yeah. And I, I have to ap- apologize there because you said you said, uh, you know, th- we're a family and I started laughing there. Right. So for the benefit <laughs> of the podcast listeners, it's because yeah. what went through my head was um, it was uh, there's a meme. I don't know what movie it's from, but it's like Steve Carell standing in the, like in a cubicle with his little fanny pack and the boss is shaking his hand. You know which one I'm talking about? I, I'll have to see. If, would know. Yeah, my- I'm going to have to see if I can find this and send it to you. I mean, the meme, of course, I, like the, the fun thing about a meme is you can make it represent anything oh, you want but absolutely. this one was like when the boss says we're a family but i've already applied to 30 other families this week right <laughs> so that's what went through yeah, my head yeah
1: totally and, and that's real right everyone is looking for what is my next step what is my three-year plan will i get this raise at the end of the year um what you know so and so can pay me higher like let's go there uh yeah. it's common for people to job every it is not alarming on someone's resume to see a job, a new job every two years. That That is not alarming. Not anymore. So as, right, it used to be like, whoa, this is bad news. Right. But because of, and I think especially like the pandemic and layoffs, and now it's becoming a, you know, culture of, you know, employees take your destiny in your hands and go find it. Um, there's less, you know, issues that you were seeing. And so people will leave. It's very real. And how do you prevent turnover? Because it takes four to eight weeks to source, to hire. Now you're in, now you're doing all of these different things. You have to train a new person. You have to rebuild all that trust. Turnover cost is real and it's expensive. And I don't think a lot of business owners really understand how to calculate that cost when it comes to, should I, you know, this person is asking for a $5,000 raise. hmm well, what is your toner cost? Does that make sense? Yes or no, and plan ahead for that. So, if you're rewarding your people before they ask, then that also creates um, a better trust feature to have in your business.
0: Yeah, and and I think we I think we know that um, in almost any business, and I, I'm trying to think of one where this doesn't make sense. You know, maybe at the grocery store, or you know, in certain low lower margin businesses, right? Mm. Retail but somebody's saying hey i need a $5000 a year raise um that typically cost way less than recruitment rehiring retraining i mean because then that's just that and and nobody i don't think any i don't think a lot of business owners really think about the cost of training somebody new because it's not it's not just well i'm going to pay that person anyway it's like no you're paying somebody else to slow down what they're doing because they're training, or you're, you're you yourself as the as the business leader, business owner, you're training this person, and so what is your time worth? And that's time that's lost, and that has a cost. It just doesn't show up anywhere really in the numbers, but it mm-hmm. is definitely a hard cost.
1: Totally. And if you're already operating in operational chaos, that only gets extended even further if. You have to retrain and bring somebody in when you don't have clear processes. You don't have a dedicated recruiter. Your management structure is kind of vague. Yeah. And so, how will they feel value when they step into the org? Um, and so, there's a lot of one, you have to prep your organization to be ready to hire and to bring on a new person to realize that initial investment. And if you're not there, what are you doing to retain your people um, who are truly doing the right work? Um, or if you're, you know, seeing someone slip, are you having the right conversations to figure out, is that a product of the system you put in place that mm-hmm. they're struggling? Or, you know, is that the rare chance where, you know, this person just isn't a fit and we have to, you know, move on. Um, I, I think that's, you're absolutely right of there's so many waterfall costs that it's hard to actually put a number to it because it it's Like number is scarier than you think, than you might think it is um, when you put it into all the pieces together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, when you're doing, you know, when when a business owner reaches out to you and you're doing discovery um, or you're going into the business, what are some of the things that you're listening for the owner to say that, that would be a, a, maybe a good indicator that they they need you or someone like you, but really they need Kendi, right? So what what are you listening for there? What What's important to them? What kinds of questions are you asking? What are you diagnosing for?
1: Yeah, usually when I'm talking to a business owner and we're just in the initial conversation, it almost, it's funny that more often than not, it turns into a bit of a therapy session of, they kind of <laughs> just like unload of like, if you're somebody who isn't in the org. I know you know what you're talking about, and like, oh my gosh, I have all of these plans. I have these things I want to do, but I am stuck in the weeds. I like, I should be doing performance reviews. I'm not because I don't have the time. My people are just doing okay. I want my people to do really well, and and so you start to unravel this. Like, okay, there's a lot of just want to do well but it lack of, of clarity, lack of vision, not understanding what is actually happening. A lot of um business owners are saying like I have these three problems, but I I'm 80% sure that those are the right problems. Yeah. Because I think my people are telling me the right things, but they could also not want to tell me things because You know, I'm the business owner, and maybe that reflects poorly on them. And so, some of the flags that I specifically listen for are that they don't have clear goals and uh, operating indicators for their people. So when I say, "Hey, do you have metrics for your client-facing team?" Well, we know we have to get these things done by the end of the month, but I, I, I couldn't tell you if they're doing that or not. Or do you have a response? Uh, SLA, meaning service level agreement for how you're getting back to your customers? Is it 24 hours? Is it one hour depending on the business? Well, I would love for it to be an hour, but I actually don't know what it is today. So there's a lack of visibility from understanding what's actually happening in the operations. There's of lack of clarity back To the people of what they're supposed to be doing, what they're prioritizing. Most of the time, what I hear is that I have really great people, they're stretched, really thin, how do I give them relief, and like set them up for success, while I want to go take the company to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, And so between, you know, there are lack of documentation, lack of clarity, lack of team organization and having like very, not defined, but they have the path set in front of them. Like I know where I need to take this business. I just don't know how to take care of my own house because I'm already at max capacity. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing all the hats. I I just need help executing and making sure my people are taken care of. And that is my bread and butter. It is easy enough to come in and say, all right, let's validate these things. Let's talk to your team. Let's give you a plan that isn't going to require you to do all of the things because that's why you hire me. I'll go make it all happen for you um, and allow the team, allow you to just, okay, I've got someone who's going to help me keep my arms around this and set us up for the next phase.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to ask a question that's going to sound like a dumb question. <laughs> so humor me, okay? Sure. So you're going into the business, they don't have KPIs,
1: mm-hmm. metrics,
0: they, they don't have anything in place, people are just doing, but we, yeah. we can't quantify what what's being done. So if the business is working, in theory, and revenue is still coming in, people are still getting paid, and we're not, you know, draining bank accounts, we're not bleeding cash, Why does why does it matter if they don't have the KPIs? There's your dumb question. <laughs>
1: That's, that's actually not a dumb question. That is a question that everyone asks, right? It's working. Great. Like, why? Why else? Well, okay, it's working. It could maybe stay this way for, you know, a year, two years. But do you want your business to fizzle out at the two year mark at the one year mark? Because eventually, the people within the system are going to realize you don't have visibility. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And so they're going to make the wrong choices that you wouldn't make because you didn't give them direction. So for example, you could have the, the client team that is supposed to be in your mindset, focus on delivering a great experience. Yeah. But for them, it could, they don't have KPIs. They don't have vision. So, all right, I have to deliver a great experience. So I'm going to spend 80% of my time on this one account that may not be your top client that is giving you 80% of the revenue, right? And so now they're working on a very small fish and now you're wasting that entire person's time. They're going to feel less value because if they close the account, you don't really care because yeah, it's, you know, 2% of your revenue, but for them, it's so important. So now you have this misalignment starting to fracture into customer service team, your operations team, your finance team, and then before you know it, you have all these parts of the team who does who don't know where they need to go. And so you have to have visibility filtering down to understand what is happening and to be able to give your team a goal and direction so you don't get to that fracture point. Um, because yeah, it's working today, it may work in the next year, but is it going to work long term? No, and that's where you get into can you scale these operations? Um, it doesn't mean can you... It Yes, it means a little bit. Can you get to 10x your volume without crushing the business? That's part of scalability. But also scalability is can you maintain your current trajectory for a longer time to create confidence and security and knowledge that you have a good business model underneath you? else you'll wake up one day and... It, it won't be the same business that you remembered it was.
0: So that's all at that point, you're just fighting diminishing returns by not, not having that in place. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, nothing ever truly stays in homeostasis. If it's not improving, then it's declining.
0: Right. Right. Yep. So, all right. So KPIs obviously are important. Um, I Mm -hmm. had to play devil's advocate there. Uh, Right. Absolutely Be- I love that because it's the only way that you that you know that the train's still on the tracks, right? It's it's no different than yep. financial planning. The reason we track things and monitor them is because th- they wander. Numbers wander, mm-hmm. money gets lazy, people get lazy, habits change, right? Th- things just go they, they go this way, and it's small degrees over time, and it just yep. pulls that way. So. When you're going in and you're noticing okay they they don't have the kpis the business owner is going to say well you know the business is running i just don't know how it's running i don't know what it's doing maybe it's running on Mm -hmm. duncan i don't know right so it's running somehow you're then going to go in and help them figure these things out and what does that engagement typically look like
1: yep so um what we do is usually when a business owner is like i I don't know what's happening in my business. Things are going okay or not as good as they'd like. So they come talk to me we're like, I'm Dr. all right, let's go figure out what the plan is. Um, Unfortunately, and you'll see this with a lot of operations consultants, they're like, well, I don't really know until I crack it open and start to talk to your people, understand what's happening. So there's a period of discovery, which is incre- like, you won't see it ticking by, but at the end, at the end you should have a really great output of here's your processes and here's the people in play and yes i can validate that you have those problems that you brought to me but also you have these five other problems that you weren't aware of just because you don't have the time to really dive in and dig through it so through that period of discovery is understanding like yes what are the true problems what is the current status of the business and what should you be prioritizing? I think that's the most important part is you have a hundred fires, but which fires do you put out first? Yeah. And so someone like me and my team, we can help collect all that information that can feel really overwhelming to a business owner and structure it in a way that's, all right, here's the themes that we're seeing. Based on these themes, here's how you should think about prioritizing them. And based on that prioritization that myself and the business owner align on, then here's our execution plan. And then that gets the ball rolling. Usually discovery can take between two and four weeks, depending on how deep and how large the business is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the alignment conversations depends on how in-depth the business owner wants to go. Um, And then at that point, then it's just checking boxes and setting things up and adjusting it based on. Um, feedback and what you learn from making those um, implementations.
0: And so you're working on processes for people, production, revenue, expenses, budgets.
1: So it all depends on what the business needs, how I define it, and something, some areas that are, like, I don't do, here's the list, I, I don't do marketing, I don't do sales, I don't do, you know, like financial analysis. I, the hiring kind of falls into operations a little bit, but there's some HR pieces that business owner, you are still going to have to manage mm-hmm. everything else between people, process systems that fall within the engine of the cost center of your business is where I focus on specifically now, it doesn't mean we should deprioritize those other I don't do options, but you need an expert to go do those. So whether it's a fractional CFO or if it's a, you know, a fractional HR business partner, um, you know, finding those experts in their fields that I work together with, um, a lot of my clients already do have those put in place um, because... Believe it or not, your financial person is not going to want to have to deal with your operations problems. They'll tell you the numbers, but then it's up to you to figure it out.
2: Right.
1: Um, so that's really the realm that I live in, and are able to give a business owner that leverage of this is my playground. Whatever people touch from your operating system, that is my world because my mission is to help people realize their best work within companies Um, and so we we focus there
0: yeah and so you uh, I I know again from the benefit of us having these conversations offline right you've you've basically kind of built out what you've called uh the operate the ops SWAT team right and so tell me a little bit about the SWAT team and the function there
1: totally I love this model it has worked really well um through especially tech startups where it feels like there's it, something is always on fire something always has to get fixed it the list does not end I yep. um, you wish you had three more hours in a day and you can't ask your current team to take on that burden because they're supposed to do what they're best at which is serving clients which is building the widget which is whatever the case may be and so um, what happens is usually you'll formulate within these larger companies, a team dedicated to solve top priorities and are called SWOT teams. And so basically that usually happens when a company reaches, you know, 50 mil plus because they can afford to, you know, hire full-time employees or five different consultants or they go hire McKinsey or a Bain and they come in and, and help set things up. But sure. There's a gap for our more fledgling companies who are past the, I can't afford to have anyone else in my business, so I'm wearing all the hats, but they get a little bit of breathing room. And um, so that size company works well, where they can actually hire me and my team to be that SWAT team for similar pricing of hiring like one operations person. Or, you know, instead of hiring your VP of ops or a director of ops, because... That's, a, that's an expensive hire right there that is going to either require a lot of equity. It's going to be a high price point. And it's going to require a lot of energy from the business owner to create that partnership. You could hire my team on a contract basis. Like a, it's like a subscription model. You know, you pay each month, we come in, what are your prioritizations? And we just purely we execute and we make sure your team is engaged. Um, and we level those up, in, and we want you to be able to get to a point where, yeah, you know, then go hire a full time operations team because you've hit those incredible milestones and thresholds. But you got to survive the growing pains somehow. Yeah. And so I, I want to help business owners survive the growing pains and add structure to this chaos and just apply a bolt of energy. To help their teams survive high growth scenarios.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of work.
1: <laughs> and usually, that's the reaction I get. It's like I don't want to do what you're doing. Like that's just and a lot of people are like, "Thank God!" Like I could never do what you're doing because it's just minutia, taking care of the small things. It's caring about people's reactions. How do you commun- communicate these things? If you rearrange this team, what does that turn? And but, yeah, unfortunately for me, I don't know how, but I got this weird where I actually enjoy playing in that sandbox um, and just want to make a difference in operators day-to-day lives
0: yeah well i I think it's a really cool function it's um it's it's not I, I think it's probably not common wiring but for the people who have the wiring that you do it's incredibly value for you know any business who and there are a lot of businesses who are just again, you're in the day-to-day, you're in the business, the bombs are going off, but you're here. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So Kendy, I know we could probably do this for another three or four hours <laughs> and still not quite get at, get at the heart of, you know, all of this stuff. And so is there, as we kind of wrap here, is there a takeaway that you would mm-hmm. want somebody listening to this to be able to grab and, and maybe, um, and be actionable, either be actionable with it, or to be something that maybe they need to be thinking about as they think about how they're running their business?
1: Yeah, I think it's two parts. Um, the Really, the takeaway that I have is, one, do you as a business business owner, could you tell someone what your cost center's vision is? Like, what are they there to do? And so that hits on the what is your, where's your team's engagement level? Yep. And then two, what is your ratio, right? Of, do you know what your cost center's ratio to you know, your output actually is? Yes or no. If yes, great, congratulations. Like that's a big hurdle in itself. Um, and is that where you want it to be? Is that going to help you get to your next milestone? Yeah. And then if no well, that's where you start. What is your ratio? And based on your team's engagement level and your ratio and what you want to go, do you feel like you can handle it all? Like, is that something that you have an action plan in place for? So start from those two endpoints, and then be honest with yourself about where that sits and um, figure out like what your plan is and whether you need someone like me or you've got it going on. Great. Love that. and being able to take care of your team in that in that way, because you don't want to deprioritize your cost center is an ankle biter becomes a, you know, a <laughs> ass kicker in the end. <laughs> so you always want to be thinking of that.
0: Yep. That is a great, great point. And um, all right. Well, I, I certainly have enjoyed the conversation again. Thank you, Kenny, so much for coming on. Um, Absolutely. Please tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you for questions or to talk about what Kawadi can do for their business. How can they how can they reach you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um you can always text me. My phone number is 480-227-5709. Text or call. Um, I am pretty good about responding on LinkedIn messages. So you can find uh, me on LinkedIn, connect with me, um, and shoot me a message. And then we can set up a time to chat. Um, I'm sure you'll you'll share out some you know the contact details if they didn't catch that. Um, but even If it's just like, Hey, I heard you. I don't even know where to start. I'm always happy to just make the, make the connection, talk about business. I mean, Dale and I talk about this all of the time, just for fun. Um, Again, it's that weird gift where we can't turn it off. So
2: um,
1: I'm always a resource and happy to help. And um, so yeah, text, call, LinkedIn, email. um, You can get all of my contact information from Dale.
0: So I will put your contact information in the show notes. And so um, just simply, if you're listening to this, you know, drop down into the uh, the show notes area and it'll be there. And, um, and Ken, I mean, these by all means are great campfire conversations uh, that, that we've had the benefit of having for yeah. a long time now, and that's a lot of fun. And, um, and I would say if you're a business owner and uh, you know that something's not quite, you know, humming you know, the engine's not quite running as efficiently as it should you get in touch with Kendi, get in touch with Kowati, uh Consulting and um, let Kendi come in and, and help you drive the business well, shed some hats, right? Get <laughs> yeah. Increase yeah. the lid a little bit so that way you, your business can grow. Totally. I think in the last episode, um, I had uh, Paloma Goggins from Nocturnal Legal on and we were oh, talking about- incredible yeah, she, she's great. And we were talking about this, uh, this very thing where it's like, you have to let, you have to let parts of your business go so that way you can grow. Somebody else can grow Mm -hmm. too. And I think that's so important. So I'm, we're on a, we're on a thing here, Kenny. And I think that this is probably going to have to be a part two uh, at some point in the future. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you,
1: Dale. I've, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, so appreciate the time and I'm happy to help in any way possible.
0: Likewise. Thank you, Candy. Cool.
1: Thanks all. all
0: right, take care. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Learn more about your financial purpose at lifemoveswealth.com.